Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. It is uh, – hold on a second. I am so sorry. Had some technical difficulties. The first live episode, stand by. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Well, good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio, and I am so sorry for getting a late jump on the show. Um have some technical issues with Skype, but, you know, what else is new? Uh, joining me here in a moment will be Robert Wasman of The Journalistic Revolution. And as usual, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Remember to share the podcast with people you know, people you love, people you like. And hey, if you're a liberty lover and you just want to annoy some neocons or some liberals, share it with them too. They will, they may be able to get something out of it. So tonight on the show, um, making a few changes on the fly. Um, I've got Robert Wiseman on hold right now, and um, 
instead of talking about um, my experience and my interview with James from the Internet, we didn't get a chance to record because I had some personal stuff come up. But now we should be uh, good to go for a day later on this week. He's going to be chatting about um, his experience with um, with Ferguson. He was there for the first experience of Ferguson, as well as uh, New York City, the marches up there. And I just want to get a pulse of the people because what we're seeing now is pretty exciting from from an activist standpoint. It's it's exciting to see people getting out there and actually getting in the streets, whether I believe in what they're um, trying to get across or not, it really is a moot point. It's just good to see um, people taking action and doing something. Um, I don't condone the looting. That was That's ridiculous. I don't, I don't understand why that even ha- ever has to come into play. So that being said, um, once again, apologize for the late jump on the show. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the hold music from um, Skype. So here we go. I'm going to pull up Robert Wasman of the Journalistic Revolution. Say hello, Robert. And sorry we are not on video anymore. That's too bad. Ah, uh, well, you know, we do what we can. And how is everybody tonight? Well, I'm hoping everybody's doing well, and uh, you and I were kind of catching up. It has been a moment since you and I have even had a chance to, to chat. Um, as you well know, um, once you have a little Bambino, um, things kind of um, are always in flux. There is no... The only constant is change, as in everything in the universe, but... Uh, it's uh, it's great to hear you, man. Good to good to chat with you again. So um, I was kind of preempting everybody with the show. I'm sure you heard. Let's um, let's kick off the show tonight and, and talk about the torture that um, evidently nobody knew about. But um, now it's you know now it's a topic that we can discuss. So first, Robert, before I get your take on this, I want to go to a clip from Fox News, imagine that, a um, statist organization promoting the uh, state and talking about their their awesomeness. And um, so here's the clip. Enjoy, everyone. Here's some of the things we are going to learn from this report. Some of them are very ugly, that we had black site prisons in other countries. More than 100 detainees went through the CIA's detention program. About a third were subjected to those techniques that we heard a little bit about from Senator Feinstein last hour, uh, including waterboarding and, and other types of deprivation, so on and so forth. Um, in your thinking, though, as we find these things out, these are not necessarily breaking news items. Do no. you think it's, it, it would even help the public to know all of this? Do you think that will keep it from I think it will, because I, I think the idea that there's this, this secret horrific list You don't that think we people don't probably figure that out already? They have, so why can't we talk about it? Why can't we just put it to bed and move on? Because they pay you, pay you, pay you, a level of politicization to this process. It's obvious what Democrats are doing. I understand, but, you know, when Republicans say, you know, why now? Why this timing? Why not this timing? I mean, no time is a good time. No, that's not leaving for chairmanship. So Dianne Feinstein wants to get this off her desk. And look, I agree with you. The United States of America is awesome. We are awesome. But we've had this discussion. We've closed the book on it, and we've stopped doing it. And the reason they want to have this discussion is not to show how awesome we are. This administration wants to have this discussion to show us how we're not awesome. Okay, Robert, so there you go. Um, I'm going to cut it right there. So, so yeah, the report is all about how we're, we're not awesome anymore. What do, you, um, what do you have to say to that? Uh, I, I would file that under the no crap file. Um, but <laughs> I think it's after 9 p.m. I think we can curse if we really want to. I, I think we're adults here. So if you if you want to you want to smatter around some um, four letter words, feel free, because uh, I think that it's kind of warranted in this situation. I mean, we're all adults. This is getting a little bit ridiculous to have these these um, these people in their in their suits with their with their fancy makeup on kind of try to shift idioms and, and shift topics on us. But continue. Well, I mean, I just recently watched Anchorman 2, and now whenever I hear stuff like this, it, it, it just reminds me of that movie. I mean, they might as well be covering a car chase and, and have no idea what's going on. I mean, really, it's news that we think America is awesome, and now we're having reports that apparently are just to tell the world how not awesome we are because that's what this administration wants, is it wants people to know how not awesome we are. Is that really the conversation we're having when it comes to torture? Not the fact that torture causes blowback or that any of these people that we will or will not eventually release from Gitmo will immediately go back into uh, terrorist tactics and attacking people. And I'm not condoning terrorist activities at all. I mean, these people, you know, kill innocents to make a point, which just 
in my opinion, makes you just as bad as the people that I'm against as well. I mean, sure. the, the, que- the question that we need to be asking about this is not why now or how awesome or not awesome it makes us, but why do we have to resort to this in the first place? There's a mm-hmm. meme that is being passed around on, on the social interwebs right now that shows a picture of a person falling out of the, ni- of the World Trade Center buildings, and it says, this is why I don't care what kind of tactics we use on terrorists. And mm-hmm. it, it ignores a very large fact that we were torturing these people before this happened. We were bombing their schools before this happened. We were killing their doctors and, their, and destroying their hospitals before this happened. So the real question we need to ask is, why are they pissed off a, 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 at us in the first place? Why why do they hate us for our freedoms? Well, I think that it, it kind of goes to what um, I got into a, a social media con- conversation with somebody that I used to go to school with. And um, I think it really does boil down to the fact that that the American public has been snowballed in this concept that uh, since we're a world superpower, that it's our job – to go around and solve other other crises, even crises that we create, and I think that that's one of the things that we need to look at. So if you if you take it even back to the 50s when we overthrew a democratically elected Mossadegh with the CIA and and all of their shenanigans, and then you know the operations that went on after that to to quote unquote fight communism that Wall Street funded, it really does get into this um, this creation of terror. Whether it's um, whether it's going in and overthrowing regimes, installing um, installing fake dictators, or installing dictators that are typically Western Western allies, or doing what we did in Egypt and going and completely destabilizing a nation, uh, going over there and overthrowing a, a leader that was doing pretty well. Same thing in Libya, and then um, installing installing even more radical people than before, and this this idea of regime change in order to make them more Westernized. Following this Rhodesian Rhodes um, Rhodes Milner esque plan to uh, Westernize the entire world, and and I think that the the policy is an utter failure, and and I think that that's what we're really getting at here is that these are all policies, and they're not something new. They've been policies in place for a long time, and as you see the talking heads get up there defending the status quo and defending these things. They shift the topics and they blame the Democrats for it, or they blame the Republicans for it. Do you remember when Bush left office? It was the same kind of thing. It was like, well, well, he was, you know, they were there were torture going on, and Bush should be indicted for war crimes. Every president since uh, John F. Kennedy should be indicted for war crimes. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I mean, I wouldn't even put the uh, the the beginning at JFK. Right. All right. Yeah. So that that didn't. Yeah, I agree with that as well. But I mean, even if if we want to look at it from a just open and shut case. Almost every president that's come after him, Reagan, you name it, from from the um, the Panama incident all the way up to uh, even Barack Obama, and this idea that we can invade Syria, that um, we're always at war with Syria, we are never at war with Syria. You know, Syria has always been our ally. They're not. It's really turning into an Orwellian situation. So, so I guess what do we do, Robert? What are the solutions from from your perspective that we can do to either enlighten the public or or change? Or change the topic, like you said before, that um, that uh, the meme was passed around about, uh, oh, well, since 9-11 happened and 3,000 Americans died, it's worth it if we kill, you know, a million Iraqis. That's totally, that's totally worth it. Well, first I would have to ask these people how many of them are Christian and exactly how that follows the teachings of their Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that would be my first question. But I think that the conversation... The, the torture conversation is a is a uh, and uh, this is going to sound horrible of me, but it's a non-topic. Um, and the reason that it's a non-topic is because it's a symptom of a very larger problem, which I mean, ultimately is interventionism on every aspect of our lives. I mean, they go from you know um, intervening uh, intervening on our own personal lives to intervening to entire communities. Decide you know like the fact that it's. Recreational marijuana is legal in Washington, but you can still be arrested by federal agents. Um, uh, to the intervening of other countries' politics, to where we're establishing and and uh, and, and and pulling out shahs and and presidents, mm-hmm. and you know, and we, we it's this idea that we can meddle with right. anybody with no consequences whatsoever. And mm-hmm. ultimately, uh, this it's funny that you asked me that question. I think that the true solution is we really need to kind of 
stop trying to stop these symptoms. I mean, you know, when when you have cancer, you don't take NyQuil. Um, you know, it, we what we need to do is we need to attack the root of the problem. And what is the root of the problem? We are. Uh, you know, we're the root of the problem. Uh, there's this um, uh, very interesting video put out by Juice Rap News. I know that doesn't sound very you know legit, but I mean these guys are no, on I point. I post their stuff all the time. They are they are fabulous. And and there is this great one about the New World Order, and I think we tend to forget our role in it. You know, mm-hmm. we like to think as the debt slaves as being on the bottom, but you know, there's this other group of people, you know, actual slaves, who are mm-hmm. below the debt slaves, and and then there's the indigenous people below them, and so forth right. and so on. Right. We're ignoring our role, and I think that if we really, really want to try and solve this solution, we need to start removing ourselves out of this system as much as possible, not rearranging the bricks, not uh, trying to influence uh, the, you know, its its power, but instead remove ourselves altogether. Start start building communities, start moving in with each other uh, on land, and you know, and 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 not paying taxes where we can, and not allowing the police on our property where we can. Um, opening our doors to people who share the same voluntaristic ideas as we do, um, sure. and, and and really starting to show and document it. Document the crap out of it. Be as public about it as possible. If not, you're going to get Waco'd or Ruby Ridged. You know? right. So you, you have to show these people, like, hey, look, we have an alternative. It works. It may mm-hmm. not, and, and, and show them how we can translate it from the rural to the urban to the suburban, and, and then... Hopefully, people you'll show people you'll hit them where it hurts. You'll show them not only is this cheaper, but it'll make them more free. Right, and you know, it, it you run into that I guess the the conundrum of um, of free people because if you're if you're conditioned to be a slave, which you and I have talked about this at length, the, the public schooling system does condition us to be slaves and be reactionary um, animals instead of real human beings and free-thinking, evolving, um, loving, caring, naturing people. It teaches us to be very reactionary. And so when we when we apply what you're talking about, these just pure principles based on natural law and other human just understanding, it's, it's really – you know, when you look at the left and the right, it's really funny that uh, Rick Stragenborg and I did a video that I need to post this weekend about this, and, and it's talking about how we need to remove ourselves um, from the labeling. Uh, even if we label ourselves as a Republican, Democrat, conservative, or whatever, the, the majority of the time, we can all agree on, I would say, 95% of of basic human dignity, human liberty, human freedom – and it's that 5% that we're in debate on, but we're not having constructive debates. Instead, what we're doing is we're all following into this idea that we need to debate that 5%, change everybody's mind on the 5% that I believe, and then we'll have, uh, then we'll have the problem solved. And it typically isn't the case. And so what you're what you're saying makes total sense. It's something that that um, that I've talked about before. If you um, if you read an Agoras Primer, uh, he talks about it in there and just localization. And when you when you start pulling back the reins of the state and and moving yourself away from a system like what we're in, where it is a debt slavery system, and there's no two ways about it. That the only way to to incite change is to hit them where it hurts. And this is um, another conversation I was in last night with a with a socialist, and you you get to a point where you understand if you go into smaller communities, if you guys want to have a more socialist type economy, go ahead. Like you said, just form little groups, and then if we do something like that, if we can avoid the idea of taxation, if we can avoid the idea of having to come out of pocket to pay for property that we live on, I think that that moves us into an even freer society and gives us the ability to make change. But the only thing that you see is um, is people rioting over over um, non, I guess, um, non change issues. Now let's move into that idea of of change. And let's move into that idea of um, of what we're seeing now, in that the the entire American public now is starting to figure out, oh my gosh, black people are targeted by the police. Oh my gosh, the police might be out of control. Oh my gosh, the police might have uh, armored vehicles and things. What do we do? Well, you have the you have the right wing. I don't want to call them nut jobs, but you have right wingers that really don't understand what 
what the military buildup of the localized police is for. They believe it's for some kind of hostile takeover, which I've said over a thousand times on my show. You can go ahead and kiss that pipe dream goodbye of you shooting cops and all that stuff. That thing will never happen. We have 330 million guns in the United States. There is not going to be a gun confiscation. There's not going to be UN helmets here. So we need to get over that idea that that is really going to happen. What the localized issue is is that the way that they're starting to police, and this is where Robert and I both agree, I would I would assume, is that policing should now be more scrutinized. You should move it back into the public domain where the public has pure oversight and not some – with citizen review boards and not some internal investigation that you're going you're gonna to sponsor from the department. It doesn't make any sense. And hey, what about this as a novel concept? Why don't we have one municipality go out and actually hire a private security firm instead of having somebody come out and take 5% of your money out of your pocketbook and um, and give it to a, a monopolized gang? What do you think, Robert? Oh, man, yeah, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, because I've said this often, both I think on your show and my own, that I'm not against the idea of policing agents. I mean, that makes sense. You. Not everybody wants to have to be vigilant in their neighborhood 24-7 to make sure bad things don't happen because freedom isn't a guarantee of safety. It's a guarantee of being free. Uh, And unfortunately, people do dumb things with freedom. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not against the the idea of a policing agent. But at the same time, I I see no police in this country. What I see is the enforcement arm of the ruling elite. Um, Correct. You know, I have no say so whatsoever when it comes to what kind of laws are being enforced in my community. Um, and some might say, oh, well, you can vote. Yeah, well, I live in Florida and we just tried this voting thing on just the medicinal marijuana. Fifty nine percent. Oh, then they changed the rules on you guys, so it can't be a 50% majority wins. It has to be 60, knowing good and well through the straw polls that you guys were going to be really, really close. And if it's something really close, then they can rig it with shenanigans and make sure it doesn't pass. So, therefore, those police, they don't represent me. They don't (coughs) – excuse me. They don't represent my will or what I think is moral. They represent somebody else's, somebody I most likely didn't even vote for. Um, you know, and and it, and it's sad. Now, I think I agree with you as far as private police fir- uh, firms. I think that uh, I should have options. I think that if this uh, policing agency has better detectives and they're going to not get paid by me unless they find my stolen whatever, you know, then I want to hire that that one because they're better at uh, finding stolen goods. But these guys over here, they're better at finding. People, so you know, this guy beat me up, and I'd really like to, you know, find out who he was and and punish him for violating my my rights. So I would hire them instead. And you know what happens? All of a sudden, these people who call themselves police have to care about their job because guess what? You're not getting paid if you don't find my TV. You're not getting paid if you don't find the guy who beat the crap out of my wife. You're you're not going to get paid. So you know, it, it it brings on a level of not only competition. But you, you're going to get people who actually want to do these things for you, not just people who do it because it's a paycheck. You know what right. I mean? You understand? Well, you run, into, you run into people like that all the time in whatever profession you're working in. You have people that are just there to get a check. You have people that join it for the wrong reasons. And that's what we're seeing now. Unfortunately, with the, I, I, would, I would venture a guess to think that the, um, the amount of police brutality – that we're seeing across the United States, and a lot of it is um, is tactics, and I will go ahead and say that, and a lot of it is um, is nescience on the part of the citizen. And so, when when I, I'll try to explain myself when I say when I say nescience on the part of the citizen, but what we're what we're dealing with here is is the expansion of of the availability of media. So now on everybody's person, they have a camera. And so as soon as a cop starts acting out of line, they're put on camera, which is the best thing you could ever do. And I advocate totally for a fully open, fully transparent society. No more national security bullshit. None of that stuff. Excuse my language, people. But um, but what we're looking at here is a way to actually conduct, like you said, conduct an a service to the public, which is what it's supposed to be. It's a public service, a service to the public with oversight and responsibility. So I would assume, and I don't have any 
numbers to back this up, but I would assume that we have the same amount of people that are joining the police force that want to go in and crack skulls that we did 50 years ago. It's just part of um, it's part of the makeup of these people. They were either picked on or bullied growing up, and they just want to go out and, and feel tough and empowered because they have no uh, self-esteem. And that's a very small portion of police. And I've had to clarify that with my police friends a lot. But what's happening now is that it's it's now being directed and now being mis and being used to misguide the public into pushing it the police are the problem and not the actual tactics that they're being trained and how to quote unquote subdue a um, a nonviolent offender. And I think that that's where we can really jump off um, with this conversation is about the the threat of violence and how the state is only reaction to violence or nonviolence. Uh, is to react with a with a violent position. What would you say, Robert? Uh, man, I mean, it, it's it's a scary thought to think that you know most of the population uh, is too apathetic to even contemplate what we're saying here. Um, you know, it it's the. I wish that we could take people and just in and, and put into their minds the very idea of freedom and individuality while still mm-hmm. being part of something bigger. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because ultimately that's what allows things like, you know, police brutality to happen is this idea right. that we're a part of something bigger. The problem mm-hmm. is it's what we've been told we're a part of. We're a part of the American dream or mm-hmm. we're, we're a part of, you know, uh, the, the freest nation that's ever existed you know, mm-hmm. and and I just don't think that's good enough. I don't think uh, being a part of the freest nation that's ever existed. When you look at six thousand years of government and how, I mean, we we freed slaves what seventy five years ago, eighty mm-hmm. years ago, right? When when Cyrus, uh, the king of Persia, conquered Babylon, it was his first decree to free slaves. So freeing slaves isn't a new and novel idea. We've been trying to do that for 6,000 years. Right. Um, you know, so this idea that the, 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 the armed, uh, the armed arm of the ruling elite should be held accountable is not new either. There was a reason right. for the Magna Carta. There was a reason for the constitution. There was a reason that sheriffs were supposed to be elected from the community. Um, and, and that was because they were supposed to be the supreme law of the land, so you wouldn't have things like this happen. And now what we're seeing is that sheriffs are backing down from their constitutional duties and their constitutional rights to go in and enforce things that are typically um, against the law from a federal perspective, even though they have jurisdiction. Yeah, and it's and it, it's 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 a very sad state of affairs when when you look at that. I mean, uh, to give an example about. And the, 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 the weirdness that I see with people's uh, thinking, um, I, I, there's a guy, I, I am a per, self-proclaimed anarchist at the, a company that I work for, which has caused quite a stir amongst the employees. So I end up finding myself in conversations that I don't even really want to have, but uh, I, I feel are necessary. Uh, if, sure. if someone's going to ask me the question, I'm going to have to answer it. And I'm, I'm talking to this guy, and we're talking about private industry versus government industry, and he agrees with me he, uh, about technology and how it can make um, uh, certain government agencies um, irrelevant in the future, like 3D printing, and he agrees with me. And then at the very end, he's all like, so you know what we need? And I'm all like, here it comes. He's going to say anarchy, communism. Uh, and you're just I, – I don't understand how you can come to that. I mean – People tell us all the time that anarchy or voluntarism or whatever you want to call it, basically those who self-rule, um, mm-hmm. will, will never work. And I'm, and I'm all like, how do you know? We've well, tried. Let's, clar- let's clarify. Let's clarify also for the people out there that are listening because a lot of people – I got into the, once again when the philosophical debate with the socialist um, last night about anarchy. And he's like, well, those people always turn into gangs and they're violent and they always do these things over and over history. And I said, no. I said, you have to look at what I refer to as the Greek definition of anarchy, which would be those without rulers. It doesn't say that we're not law-abiding. It just means that we don't have any rulers and that you have to be self-governed and that if you have – if there's a discrepancy, then you are liable, whether it's through any kind of – whether it's through a – 
through getting sued or having repercussions on your property. I mean, there are things that can happen to keep you within the boundaries. And um, go ahead and continue. That's what we're talking about here when we, when Robert says anarchy. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming that when you mean self-rule, you don't mean lawlessness. You mean to be governed by a set of rules that we can all agree to grounded in natural law that are pretty innate in human nature that we don't really have to think about unless you're a psychopath or a secondary psychopath. Would that be correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a disciple of the trivium, I mean, I would have to say and, meaning without or with none, and then arcos, which means rulers or or leaders. So, I mean, ultimately, I mean, yeah, when I say anarchy, I mean without rulers or with no leaders. Um, and, and, and I find it uh, fascinating that the simplest philosophy uh, uh, in the entire world, which is anarchy, philosophical anarchy, which is, you could sum it up in a very simple phrase, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's very simple, and I don't understand how people don't get it. It's not don't hurt people and don't take their stuff unless they were born in a different geographical region than you, or they're or a different color. Brown people. Or, or yeah, black. you know. It, it, it's 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 period. Two year olds freaking understand this philosophy better than grown men, and it, it, it's incredibly frustrating. And so when I say this, I'm not saying that governments won't exist in an anarchist society. What I'm saying is is that they'll be completely voluntary. Um, if I want to live in a democratic society, then guess what I can do? I can move to one. Um, right. If I want to live in a monarchist uh, a, a monarchy society where there's this one ruling guy, I can do so. But at, for it to be true anarchy, it means I can leave whenever I want and that I don't have to um, uh, worry about being punished if I don't agree with what's going on there and I decide that I want to go somewhere else. Um, it also means that children who were born there at some point in their lives get to decide if that's where they want to stay. And right. and I don't think people understand that. I mean, I mean, you would think communists and socialists would get behind this viewpoint quicker because there are no good examples. They could, of all, they, could all, they could all huddle together and do your communist thing, and then you have other people. If they want to join a democratic republic, then they draft their own little constitution. They draw their fake border you know, through property rights, once again, not drawn by politicians, and you have their society. I just don't understand which – conceptually, if you think about the United States – it's kind of what we were set up for. Would, would that be a fair statement? And the fact that each state was allowed to do whatever it was going to do, and the only thing that the federal government was there to do was uh, regulate interstate commerce and trade and tariffs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in its purest form, I think that at least some of the founders, not all, uh, but some of the founders were ultimately uh, anarchists when you look at what they wanted institu instituted, which was – a bunch of states that rule themselves, which you could travel through freely and decide which laws that you would like to live under. Um, Absolutely. Patrick Henry was a 100% minarchist at the very most, but for the most part, uh, total voluntarist. Yeah, I mean, if the, I mean, would we really be having this conversation if the federal government abide by the Constitution as it stood uh, when originally written? I mean, because no, yeah, we wouldn't I, have a standing army and then we wouldn't be in all these wars and wouldn't have bases all over the place. Well, we would. We would have an army, but, I mean, it, it, by constitutional standards... We'd have to draft it and do it every two years, yeah. Yeah, y exactly. You, you would, you, you know, by those standards, we would only attack when attacked, which means right. that, you know, we wouldn't be in all these wars. And uh, I just... Uh, but at this point, I think that we can do better. I think we can do better than the founders. And, th and, and some people would say that's blasphemy because they believe that the Constitution was divinely inspired. Well, okay, so be it. Let's say it was divinely inspired. The Torah, according to most, was divinely inspired, and we improved upon it by having another divinely inspired uh, Christianity come along, right? And, then, mm -hmm. and if Christianity is what divinely inspired the Constitution, then I think it's about time we sit down and we look at the Constitution and say, how can we make this to where we're more free? You know, right. and... And, and and that very well may uh, require us throwing it out altogether and coming up with something else. And but pe that scares the crap out of people, and I don't understand why. If you, I mean, if your car breaks down, you don't get scared because you're going to have to get a new one. You you get excited. Oh, I'm getting a new one that's going to be better than what I had before. And I think that's that's what we need to do in this world. We need to get excited about the change, not fear it. 
I think that's 100% correct, especially when you're talking about things and you just hit the nail on the head and kind of were, were um, right in line where I was going, is that um, the majority of um, of human nature typically revolves around fear, and fear is the motivating factor. And so what people are seeing now and what you're seeing now from the people, people are afraid of the police. So what are they doing? Now they're getting out and rioting. But you're you're kind of – they're misguided. And, and when I say that they're misguided – the people that were out there rioting and looting for for Michael Brown and for all of these um, for all these atrocities committed by the police and talking about shutting it down and all that good stuff. Well, that's all well and good, but where were you guys six months ago, a year ago, two years ago? This is not something new. This is not. And and what what really gets me is that once the media decides that they're going to latch onto a story, that's when you see. The people kind of get their programming turned on, and then they're in the fight. Now it's like, oh, now we get to protest because something uh, – a guy came out with his hands up. And, and, and the poor thing about the Michael Brown case is that we don't know what happened, and we will never know what happened. And, I'm, and, and just it, – it's really, really difficult to see one side of the coin, which is, which is the black community, which should be highly upset because – they are extremely targeted. They're targeted for a reason. They are the beta test group for this New World Order plan that, that I've talked about, that Cecil John Rhodes wrote about. It, it is an idea, and through the Fabian Socialist Society, it is an idea of social enslavement through high-tech mind control and high-tech media propaganda and also through a high-tech police state, which is, I think, what, what they've decided that they're going to go with is the idea of the 1984 mixed with, you know, mixed with the um, the idea of a brave new world. So it's a chemical mixture, and then the police state overlay on top of it, and and you see it, and you see it in the reactions of these people. It's like, wait a minute, and even when Ben Swan interviewed, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, and I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, ben Swan interviewed one of the leaders for for one of the rallies in Ferguson. And said, how does destroying private property of individuals that had nothing to do with police violence get your message across? And they, and they said, well, it, it draws attention to it. And he goes, well, why don't you go march on the police station? Well, I knew the answer to that because the police have guns. And they don't want to do that. They want to go and take things that are inanimate objects and, and be able to, to do and, and, and take out some of their frustrations and aggressions. And once again, I understand completely, but let's direct it at the things that are really causing these issues. And the things that are really causing these issues are, number one, the media, and number two, the training from the police, which, by the way, guys, is coming from the federal government. It's not coming from your localized police force that's saying, okay, Here's here's our strategy. If you see a woman that's pregnant and she's got a gun, you take her down. No hesitation. So I think that that's something that's very, very interesting in, in the way that social engineering portion of it is what I'm seeing. And it really it really scares me. But I think that we grab some of these people in their you know in their anger and in their frustration and then direct them to the real problem say no 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 we can change this guys we don't have to get out in the streets and do that stuff that's all well and good to draw attention but getting out in the streets and and once again destroying private property of people that had nothing to do with the incident is, is really you're just hurting yourself and you're hurting the community it's nothing more than that i'm sorry robert i'm 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 hogging the mic go ahead man no, no, you're you're absolutely right because uh, I, one of my biggest problems with terrorists and rioters and stuff is that they they, they attack the wrong people and 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 what's worse is uh, I don't even think attacking the cops would be attacking the right people. No, you, it's you, not. You, if you took all those protests in Chicago and 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 the protests in Ferguson and St. Louis and in New York. And, mm -hmm. you know, and even the one that happened down here in Miami recently, you take all those people and you put them in D.C. and, and, and you have them take down uh, actual politicians. And, and, and when I say take down, please, NSA, don't come after me. I meant like actually physically remove them from the building and strip them of their power. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you place them with nothing. 
then all of a sudden now you have a chance to build something new. You have a chance to go back to your community and go, hey, guess what? We don't have to worry about these a-holes up there anymore telling us what to do. Let's go ahead and build the community as we want. And I, I, I get flabbergasted that, uh, you know, that the, the black community, and, or, and not even just the black community, the low socioeconomic community, there we go. Uh, Put it. You know, the the low socioeconomic community isn't anarchists, they, or at the very least, minarchists. You know, I mean, there was a, during Katrina, uh, there was a preacher. I can't remember his name. It was uh, a black preacher. And he blew my mind because he started off like everybody else during the Katrina uh, catastrophe, you know, where it sounds like he's getting ready to blame the federal government. And uh, and then at the very end, he's all he, he starts to, you know, go off his rails and he's all like, and who do who should we blame? Who's at fault for all these, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, homeless blacks and dead blacks and da, 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 da. He's like the black community. That's who you want to know why? Because 100 years ago, we had no trust of the government and we would have been the first to get out of the way. when Katrina was on its way and we would have been the first back building our communities. Instead, we sit around with our hands out asking to be saved. He's all like, really? You're going to ask the ex-slave owners to come and help us? <laughs> That's a really, really apropos way to put it because it's exactly what it is. That's why I can't understand people that look for government solutions. It, it, it will be in line. Now, if you get more laws passed, you're getting closer and closer to slavery. I tell you what, if you want to feel safe, it's kind of like what uh, – I can't remember if it was Eisenhower that said this or um, – I think it was Eisenhower that said, hey, if you want to feel completely safe, go to jail. You'll be plenty safe there. Nobody will ever bother you. But I think that it's a, it's a byproduct of the public school system. It's a byproduct of social engineering that we've created. It's a byproduct of media that's in now. And, and what we're seeing now from the media is, once again, no coverage of the small arms trade treaty that I wanted to talk about with you, no coverage of the uh, TPP, no coverage of the expansion of the NDAA again, no coverage of this. It's all, hey, distractionary stuff. Look at the torture report. Oh, my God, look at this. The United States tortures. Really? You've got to be kidding me. So we don't just go and overthrow countries in South America and and in Africa and run eugenics operations with the UN. We don't do that. We just we just started doing that. That's all. Oh my God! I can't believe it. We probably need to get a handle on that. So Robert, <laughs> what the, what do you know about the uh, the small arms trade treaty that's supposed to be passed on the on the twenty fourth uh, as a as a Christmas present for the American people? Which by the way. I don't even know why I'm kind of talking about this. It's such a joke to to even to even think that there will be gun confiscation in America. Well, I think it's just like you know, gay marriage and legalized pot. It's one of those hot button topics that they can just bring up whenever they need to distract people from larger issues. You know, sure. um, it, I mean, this is the same. I've been hearing that they're going to confiscate our guns ever since 1995. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's been no no confiscation. Has there been more regulation? Has there been more laws passed? Sure, yeah. But, I mean, there's been more laws passed about soda consumption. So, I mean, are they going to come and confiscate your Coca-Cola? No. Right. I mean, they're just going to regulate the ever-loving crap out of it. We don't need to confiscate it when we decide who gets it. Um, right. You know, we don't need to confiscate your guns when we're tracking you on your smartphone. We don't need to confiscate your guns when we know every single picture you've ever taken uh, of you holding a gun and put it on Facebook. They don't mm-hmm. need to do these things. It it goes back to the fear mongering uh, and, and and you know and the uh, terror porn that we seem to be addicted to. You know, we and I I agree that fear is an amazing motivator. It really is, and I, I I'm not going to disagree with that fact. But at the same time, it's a temporary motivator. Uh, mm-hmm. You tell people they're going to confiscate your guns, you're going to get a lot of angry people for about two months. And then they're not going to care. And then we can pass all the laws we want to regulate your guns. Um, right. you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs that, uh, that we do this. And you, you brought up that it comes back to education. And I, I, I absolutely agree. It comes from the fact that we no longer teach people how to think. We teach people what to think. Um, right. You know, if you, it, it, one thing I, I, I get is, you know, how like there's a big evolution debate, you know, uh, is it real? Is it a theory? Is it a fact? What's going on? 
Well, if you taught people how to think, there wouldn't even be a debate because um, people would look at it, they'd look at the evidence, and then they come to a conclusion, and then it's done. There's, you don't need to convince other people. You only need to understand it yourself. And how right. do we think? I mean, it's my dead horse. I'll bring it up a million times until people start doing it. The trivia method of thinking. Uh, right. You know, you, you have to know the definitions of the terms in which you're using. You have to remove all the inherent contradictions and use logic to remove them. And then you have to wisely apply it to the world. In reality... It, using evolution as the example, by the way, yeah, uh, the, but using evolution as an example, there is no real world application for it. There is no reason whatsoever it needs to be a debate. It is literally just asking a question and coming up with the best possible answer. That, uh, now, when we talk about police brutality or we talk about government interventionism, that that is something that you can apply to the real world. You know, once we know what police brutality is, once we know that not only are they targeting blacks, but they're targeting anybody that they deem as a threat, um, right. you know, or doesn't follow their orders, then you can start asking the why and the how do we change it. Right. Uh, where I mean, the why of evolution is because we want to know, and the how is well, it doesn't really affect our lives in any way, in any meaningful way, right now. Mm-hmm. And and you know, drawing back to the um, the police brutality thing, I think it makes a it makes a um, you know it makes a very good point to educate the public. Um, number one, the rights, but understand that the person that you're involved with when you when you are in a situation where you're pulled over or you're in a situation where you're being questioned by a police officer, they are a warden of the state, and they are there to enforce statutes. They are there to enforce edicts, and they are there to enforce anything but law. Understand that, that you are under corporate law. You are not under the constitutional law that you think that you have. That's why they think it's a joke. That's why most of them don't understand the fact that they're just serving like statutory law and things like that. that they're punishing you for statutes and for codes. They're not punishing you for breaking laws. If that was the case... If we think about this logically, people, where is the law? If the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, where is the law that says that Robert Wiseman can't be in possession of a marijuana cigarette? There is no law. At least when they did prohibition, they passed an amendment to the Constitution for it, and then they passed another one repealing it. But now it is all legalese lawyer speak. So understand that if a cop says that you're resisting, it doesn't matter if you got your hands behind your back. It doesn't matter if you're on your knees. It doesn't matter. It is all a matter of perception. And if he perceives that you're resisting, then by gosh, you're resisting. And I know that that sounds like a very status thing to say, but it's not status. It's the truth. So understand what you're going into. So these people, when I show these videos of people that are getting tased and stuff like that, what I see is these people trying to negotiate with a, with a warden of the state, and you can't do it. Don't try to negotiate. Remember, you can beat the rap, but you can't beat the ride, which means that if you get arrested, take the ride and show them on video, I'm not being – look, I'm not being negligent. I am not resisting arrest. There is my case. I want a jury trial. Know your rights. Jury nullification. A lot of these things are coming into the play. And so you're having to become savvy in not only political ideology and understanding how all these systems work, but you're also going to have to be, um, be politically savvy and, and savvy in the law and in your rights and also in how to interact with these wardens of the state because that's what they are. And remember, if you think of the United States as a giant prison, think of the cops as wardens. So if you were a prisoner – and I know that sounds like extremely sadist stuff, but hey, we're in a time where we cannot play games with these people because there was an article in today where there was a, a drug warrant served in Georgia with a man shot in the head when he was laying face down, and they found no drugs. After 44 hours of searching his house, found zero drugs, and executed this man. So it's not time to play games with the with the state people. It is time to understand your rights and understand that that person there is not your friend, and your best weapon is to shut up. I'm sorry, Robert. Go ahead. No, you're you're absolutely right. I want to point something out though, because you brought up law. Law comes from the old English uh, word lagu, 
which of course uh, has the definition Damn that we you all and your grammar. Damn you and your grammar. Go ahead. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it has the definition that we all understand as today, law, ordinance, rule, regulation. But that comes from um, uh, even the old Norse word, which uh, is lag, which means layer or a measure or a stroke. It literally means to lay something down or fix it. That comes from the Proto-Germanic word lagen or lay, which literally means to put down often by striking it. So a law, a law okay. is literally a, a a something in which to put you down. <laughs> I love grammar. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. What kind of planet? What what planet are we on again? I mean, it's so funny that people will sit there and argue with me about global warming, and it's just like, no, no, no. Like I, I understand that we're killing the environment. I understand all that, but giving more money to the UN and power to the UN to govern their society is the absolute worst thing that you can do. And that's the only strategy that they ever have for fixing global climate change or global warming or global cooling or whatever it is this month. And Plant a fucking tree. All right. No, like, can't do that. You can't do that. You have to get everybody else to follow. It's what we were talking about before. You have to spend that 95% of your time on that 5% of the stuff that we all disagree upon and just try to get people to follow you because in, in this American society, it doesn't even matter if you're dead wrong and I can show you evidence that global climate change is a fraud, that, that global warming was a fraud, that all these things are typically manifest by elitist class that have vested interests in getting these laws passed. But it doesn't matter. It's something that I have to win at, and I don't know where that portion of our society, psyche comes in from a, from a total societal standpoint. I don't know if it's the team aspect of the, the ancient Roman games that we've brought here through football, basketball, and believe me, people, I love sports. I love competition, but I understand the, the mentality that's used behind it as a weapon against you, and it, is, it just blows my mind, Robert, that we always have to revert to things that we disagree on other than things that we do agree on, like, like freedom. How cool is freedom? Freedom is awesome. The fact that I would be able to go outside in America right now and be able to shoot off a firecracker in my front yard and possibly get arrested blows me away. Just absolutely. And don't don't grow any funny plants. No, absolutely not. Especially if they were medicine for 6,000 years. You can't do that. I mean, it is just, it is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs land. All right, man, we got about eight minutes left and we kind of got a late start. So, um, What's uh what's on your what's on your plate? You've kind of you've kind of covered all the topics with me today, and thank you so much for coming on the on the show. Kind of short notice. It's it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you again, and as always, breaking down the trivium like a champ. So uh, what else you got? What's what do you got going on at JRev? Just give us a give us a few things that are on your mind. Well, there's one thing I've actually been thinking about a lot lately. I have been studying schools of thought, both wet, both Western and Eastern. And I found this very strange pattern um, because, I mean, ideas and, and philosophies are much like physical evolution, small changes to an established uh, uh, foundation. And after, t- after a while, they change a little bit and we're able uh, to grow. Um, Can I ask but, you a question really quick before you go any further? How long have you been, have you been researching this? Just because I, um, I got my first copy of the Gnostic Bible about um, – about a month and a half ago, and have really started to understand a lot of different aspects of Eastern and Western philosophy. So how long has this been going on with you? I just didn't know if this was something that was um, kind of the universe speaking to all of us. Um, about six months. Uh, oh, you're well, it started, I started studying Taoism again, right? And okay. uh, that's where it started. And then, of course, that made me study Buddhism, which made me study Confucianism. And then I was all like, hey, let me uh, um, uh, compare this to the Western philosophies. And, I, and I, I've, I've been able to, at least in my own opinion, and I really hope people out there listening will uh, challenge me on this, and uh, maybe we can find an answer together. But all the schools of thought, all the philosophies, all the religions, and all the, you know, the ways of life that have been brought about through both Western and, and Eastern cultures – can be broken down into three schools of thought, the legalistic, the apathetic, and the anarchist. 
Um, to use Eastern philosophies as an example, Confucianism or Kung Fuism is a highly legalistic uh, uh, philosophy, this right. idea that we have to model the human world of that of heaven. Right. And as a matter of fact, to give an example of how legalistic Confucianism is, there's an old Confucius saying that says, if the mat is not straight, the master will not kneel. Uh, mm-hmm. So stating that everything has to be in its place or the, you know, the ruler won't be happy. Uh, right. then, then you have the Buddhists, right, which are the apathetic. They want to deny their desires. They want to step outside the wheel of rebirth. They want to uh, – one of their favorite phrases is uh, – one, one of, uh, of the Christian phrases, as a matter of fact, which is, um, do not be of the dust of the world. Um, but then Taoism or anarchism is this idea of that we uh, – control is an illusion – and that when you let go of this illusion of control, uh, the world will move as it should and will evolve as it should. And if, if the Buddhists say, do not be uh, uh, of the dust, Taoism um, says, no, you are the dust. And right. uh, instead of asking, how can we control it or how can we avoid it? We simply right. ask, well, what can we do now? Right. And that's where I think that we need to get. We need to become... And I've coined this phrase, I hope it catches on, uh, an anarcho-Taoist. Uh, what, what can we do now? We know what the problem is, but what can we do right now? That's a very, very solid way of thinking, my man. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, as usual, uh, I love getting in conversations with you, whether it's over um, politics, geopolitics, um, philosophy. It really doesn't matter because... The exchanging of ideas, and once again, if you think about what uh, what Tom Campbell said um, when I interviewed him, um, the idea that nothing becomes real unless you either write it down or put it out in the universe. So now we have put out this idea and this thought into the universe, and people that are listening to this podcast, you now have had this thought enter your head, and now it whether you discard it or whether you think about it or whether you propagate it, it is really up to you. And that's where we're kind of going with this. We need to exhaust everything that we can, and this is what I said to a friend of mine when I was talking about – and don't get mad at me, Robert, because I was actually talking about this with a, uh, with a mayor. I was talking about running for city council in this small little town that I live in. And my philosophy was, even though, yes, in, deep down inside of me, I'm a philosophical anarchist, and that's what I believe that we could strive for. It's kind of like what Thoreau said, you know, we'll have the kind of government that, we'll, that human beings will deserve, and which is no government, when, when the time is ready, and when we're all to that point where we don't need rulers anymore. So I, my idea was to, to secure freedom any way that I could for my daughter, whether it was through legal obligation, whether it was through joining a community action center. I'm going to, with a, with a friend of mine down here, we're going to start a freedom club locally. So I'm going to do everything that I can to try to instill the values of freedom and free thought into individuals. And if we disagree, that's fine. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a debate. Let's not have an argument. There, those are the things that we need to strive for as a culture. Instead of this culture of just um, – with, with modern technology, we've become a culture of, of quips and, and memes and, and um, instant gratification and also rushing to judgment. Look at what Rolling Stones did basically ruin a couple of people's lives because they wanted to get a rape story out. Give me a break. I mean, it's really, really sad that they didn't even contact the person that was supposedly the alleged rapist because, well, they didn't want to, they didn't want to upset the person that was the, the victim. And now look at what it did because you didn't have any journalistic integrity and do your due diligence. You just wrote a hack article and, and pissed a bunch of people off and probably ruined some people's lives. So we're learning some valuable lessons here. It's whether we're going to take it to heart and really make changes in the way that we, we present our philosophies to people and the way that we do these things, uh, I think, is what's going to really separate us from the next generation because the generation before us, let's face it, um, unbeknownst to them, they fell asleep at the wheel, and now it's, it's our turn to pick up the pieces uh, of this society that is now degraded into, into a bunch of like narcissistic children. It's really kind of scary. Final thoughts, Robert, plug your show and stuff, and then we'll uh, we'll end the podcast. 
All right. Yeah, you can find me at uh, thejournalisticrevolution.com, jrevradio.com, Facebook and YouTube, both of the same name, The Journalistic Revolution. Um, there, we, we are actually going to be having our own studio, working studio here within the next 60 days, so expect big things from that. And, uh, yeah, make sure you listen to freaking uh, We Are Not Cattle, too. They're on top of things. <laughs> well, thanks so much, man. Um, remember, everybody, um, share the podcast with people you know, people you love, people you like. Um, if the information is great for you, then then share it. If um, if you want to uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at We Are Not Cattle the number one. Feel free to friend me on Facebook uh, under Jake Counts. You can also like my Facebook page, We Are Not Cattle, and uh, you can go and like my YouTube channel. I'm going to post some videos here in the next couple of weeks. There'll be about four or five videos that I'm going to be posting. So once again, uh, chasing around a, a one-year-old is tough work. Thanks again to Robert Wasman of the Journalistic Revolution. And uh, as we always say here at We Are Not Cattle, get a friend, get informed, and get involved in peace, love, and liberty, people. You deserve your freedom. Freedom. Yeah, I've been feeling that. Fear.